find them in, we go to Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2, and we see, um, we see a little bit about the Christmas story there, the, the birth of Jesus foretold and, the, and happening, and then the, we, we call them, what, sometimes we call them the three wise men, or we three kings, the, the magi, um, who come to visit and they give their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that story over the next month or so. Um, and then in chapter or in the Gospel of Luke, we have the story of Joseph and Mary traveling to Bethlehem, and we've got the inn, and we've got uh, the shepherds and the angels. We've got all those typical Christmas things. So, but Mark is an interesting gospel. Mark just skips over that stuff. When you start at the beginning of Mark chapter 1, he just starts off with, this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and here's when he got baptized, and here's when his ministry began. But he he goes on, um, the gospel goes on, and and we have this interesting um, passage in Mark chapter 4, in which he introduces the, the, the story or a parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. And um, I want us to dwell on that parable today. I want us to think about that. And I want us to think about what kinds of seeds are we sowing during this month? During the holiday season? During the season of Christmas? So, um, we're going we're gonna to think about that um, briefly and see if we can draw some parallels. So let me read Mark chapter 4 aloud, beginning with verse 1, and you follow along with me. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen! Behold, a sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that They may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who... When they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. 
But those that, are, that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Let's pray. Father, I just ask that you will, by your Holy Spirit, give us insight and understanding to your word today. This is such an important um, story that Jesus told. It illustrates something very profound. And God, I pray that you'll help us to understand that. And help us to understand how going into this um, uh, holiday season, um, looking forward to Christmas, how we can sow the Christmas seed um, of the gospel. And so God, um, be with us uh, during this time. Be our teacher, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me ask you, we're, let, let me do a little bit of um, congregation participation. How about that? Um, so feel free to interact. But what is, um, what is your favorite thing about Christmas? Anyone have a, a favorite thing they want to share about Christmas? Olivia? Olivia, putting the tree up. Okay, putting the tree up. That's, that's a favorite uh, event, right? Getting that tree up, that Christmas tree, right? Okay, what else? What's your favorite thing about Christmas? Presents. All right, good. Good, honest answer there. We like presents. Ah, that's great. We're looking, we're looking forward to gifts. We're looking forward to all those things that are going to be probably under the tree, um, all right. Smell. The smell of of the like Christmas smells. Yeah, yeah. The pine scent, the cinnamon. The, that's right. The baking smells. I like the baking smells. That's good. Food. All right. Absolutely. Yeah. These are all. I, all of these things are are things we're anticipating, right? We kind of, we think about those and we think about through the year, um, Christmas Day comes and then we set our clocks, okay, 365 days till Christmas, hey, can't wait. Um, and, and it's something we just, we, we anticipate, we look forward to all those events, all of those moments um, of Christmas. Um, and all of them are wonderful, right? They're all great experiences and... Um, and many of them are actually filled with, with a lot of significance as well. Um, consider the tree. <laughs> I was going to get to this a little bit later, but we'll, we'll cover right now. Consider the tree. We put this evergreen tree up in our homes. And the, the greenness of it, the life of it, it reminds, me, reminds us of the life that we have in Christ. The life that, that, never, that never dies. It never fades away. It's evergreen. Um, the gifts we look forward to reminds us of the greatest gift that we've ever received, the gift of, of Jesus that he's given to us. Um, those presents, those gifts, the food reminds us of uh, the bounty, all that God has provided for us, um, everything that he's given us to enrich our lives. Um, all of these are, are wonderful things, but... Um, uh, what, what, what would it mean then to take um, uh, the meaning of those things, to, to take those special moments and then use them as, as opportunities to share the gospel, to sow uh, the Christmas seed, to sow something. Um, here, here we have this parable in which 
Jesus says that the sower sowed the word. He, he sowed a message. He, he, sowed, um, he sowed something that was going to transform people's lives. He's sowing the gospel. What would it mean for us to go throughout this holiday season and experience all of those experiences and think about how they can, we can use those as opportunities to share the good news with other people? Well, there are a lot of um, things that are going to keep us from experiencing the gospel. They're, they're going to keep the, the word from being fruitful in the lives of people around them. And I, I just want to, let, let's just go through these, um, some of the things that kept us from it. Um, first of all, when the sower sows the word, some of the, some of the seed scattered on the, the rocky, or excuse me, the paths, the flat, trodden down paths. And the, the seed couldn't get itself into the soil because the soil was hard, completely hardened. And what, is, what does Jesus say happens there? Satan comes and takes the word away. It's just immediately taken away. It doesn't take root. It doesn't produce anything. And a lot of times, I think that's, that's kind of... Um, you've probably met a few people who are very hardened towards the gospel. They don't want to hear anything about Jesus. Um, that's pr- those kinds of people are pretty obvious. Um, they may be the ones who are saying, we don't want to see a nativity set in the middle of the town or in our public parks. Or They may be the ones who are saying, I, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Don't, don't talk to me about Jesus. Um, don't, don't, maybe, don't, maybe don't say Merry Christmas. Maybe say Happy Holidays instead. Or that type of thing. We, you know, we have a few people that we know who are like that. What do we do to reach them? The, Jesus doesn't give us a, Jesus doesn't really give us a solution here. He just says the fact is we're going to sow seeds of the gospel. We're going to tell people about Jesus. We're going to tell people about the real meaning of Christmas and some will not accept it. They'll just reject it outright. That's just the way it's going to be. Oftentimes we don't know who those people are until it happens. But the sower sowed the seed nonetheless. Well then there are those that were on the rocky ground and and what happened with the people on the rocky ground? What, was, what kept that, that seed from growing up and bearing fruit? What, what um, caused it to wither away? They didn't have any roots. And there were, there were things, there, those rocks that represented what? They represented tribulation or persecution. Hard times. Difficult circumstances. Holidays are often some of the most difficult times for people. Have you ever experienced that? You have, maybe you had good memories of family, family uh, times, um, but uh, you lost a loved one. And now you go through the, through the, the holiday season and, and you're thinking about your loss. Um, maybe people have, uh, have had really, really horrible Christmas experiences. And so when they think about Christmas, they think about the difficulties with their family. They, they think about abuse and neglect. They think about a lot of the d- difficult circumstances that they've gone through. Um, maybe maybe just, just this time of year, especially for people who live further up north like we do, um, 
it's a dark time. It's a gloomy time. And even though we try to infuse it with life and with joy and with fun and excitement, um, there are people who, who have a really difficult time going through the dark winter months. Maybe there's an unemployment um, that people are facing. They're going through Christmas time and they don't have a job. They're not going to be able to put a big feast on the table. They're not going to be able to put a lot of presents under the trees. Maybe they're going through a terminal illness. How, how do you experience joy and peace when you are on your deathbed, when you're going through cancer treatments? My um, father-in-law is going through cancer treatments right now, and we're trying to plan, how are we going to do, do Christmas week? How are we going to spend time with them? Well, they can't travel over to us during Christmas because he's actually going to be attached to a, a chemo <laughs> pump that week. So we're trying to figure out, boy, this is it's really difficult to celebrate the holidays and to have and to feel like it's joyful and a, a fun experience when you're going through stuff like that. Just this past week, um, I heard of the tragic loss of uh, of somebody. Um, who, uh, the sister of somebody that I used to work with a few years ago. And um, as I saw this kind of unfold through Facebook announcements, I, I, I was just broken over it. Um, her, her sister was murdered in, uh, o- over a week ago, the week before Thanksgiving. A terrible tragedy. How do you go through, how do you go into Christmas feeling loved? And peace and joy during the holidays when something so horrible has happened to you. These are the kinds of things that will choke out or, or cause the, the gospel to just wither away in our lives. But what has been so impressive to me about, about observing her, um, at least through social media, is how she's saying, thank you for the prayers. We're going to get through this. We're remembering how wonderful she was. We're, we're honor, trying to honor her memory and, and putting her trust in God who alone can comfort her in that situation. What hope do we have at Christmas? Well, really, what, we ha- what hope we have when there are dark, difficult times through the Christmas season is we have the hope of the Incarnation. We have the hope that, that Jesus came. John 1, 14 says this, And the Word, that is Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The incarnation. God became a man. God became just like us so he could experience everything that we've experienced. The writer of Hebrews um, explains how wonderful Jesus, um, Jesus is for us and what it, what it really means that he became flesh and he, he was incarnated. He says... In this in chap- Hebrews chapter 1, long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days He has spoken, us, spoken to us by His Son, 
whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. And in chapter 4, um, the writer of Hebrews goes on to explain what it meant that, that, that God became a man and that we have Jesus, that He's our example, that He became a man so He could experience everything that we have experienced, but without sin. And He says this in chapter 4, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. The fact that we have Jesus who has experienced every kind of difficulty that we can experience, even death, so that we could have the joy and the peace that comes only from God and from the relationship that we have in Him, even in the midst of our own trials and in the trials of people around us. So, can we not offer then Jesus to people who are going through trials, they're going through tribulations or even persecutions, people who are suffering through this holiday season, would, could we keep our eyes open and look around us and see who is hurting? Who needs, who needs this kind of message? Who needs this kind of gospel seed? Well, Jesus also described not only the rocky soil, but he also described the, the soil with thorns. And what did he say were those thorns? What were those thorns all about? Look again in Mark 4, verse 19. The thorns, they hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. Boy, I, I don't know of any other time of year that is so full of, in many ways, the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and especially the desires for things. <laughs> the desires for things. Advertising is crazy this time of year. Every time we turn around, we're being told, you need this, you need this, you want that, you, you should get this. We accumulate so much debt during this time of year as a nation. Sometimes even as individuals. We expect our bonuses to come. We go through Black Friday. Remember, I remember seeing an advertisement um, just the other day of the man, man pulling stuff out of his car and his neighbor walks up to him and he looks at him and goes, oh, what happened to you? Oh, Black Friday. He's got a black eye. He's got bruises on his face. He's like, he's like well, I saved hundreds of dollars though. And so the other guy says, well, I saved thousands of dollars, right? Because I, I slept in and then I went to the, and bought a new car. Which is better? I don't, I'm not sure. <laughs> Which one's better? But Black Friday comes and goes and, and the best we can do is say, I survived Black Friday. Um, that there, there is a, there's a um, the desire though for riches and, and gain and to, to receive some kind of a joy out of stuff, out of materialism, um, is I think really well illustrated in another 
car advertisement that I saw. The, boy, those car advertisements, they, they seem to nail it. But there's, there's the guy, um, uh, he's, he's, he, sees, he sees Santa in the distance, right? And Santa's kind of doing his thing on the street corner. Maybe he's, you know, I don't know what he's doing, collecting money or he's giving out little gifts or something. And he sees him in the distance. He goes, I, it's, it's a cold day. I'll, I'll get Santa uh, uh, an espresso. So he gives Santa an espresso. And then the next scene, he's carrying Santa's bag up the stairs to Santa's apartment, right? He's got the bag on. He's like, oh, he's looking up the stairs. Man, these are, those are a lot of stairs. I, whew, this is okay. I'm going to help Santa out here. I'm going to do, do my thing. And then he notices Santa's got a tear in his, in his um, suit. And so he said, I'm going to, I know, I'll sew and I'll fix his, the tear in his suit, you know, and I'll deliver it to Santa. And, so, and Santa gets this final gift and he, and he thinks, mm, this, this man has been a, he's been very good. He's really helping me out. So what I ought to do is I ought to give him a new car. That's what I ought to do. And so, so the man walks out of his door on Christmas Day and, he, and there's the new car in his driveway and he's so happy because it was all worth it. All those good works, all that effort was worth it because he got what he got, right? And so we tell the kids, hey, you better watch out. You better not cry, you know, all that. Santa, Santa Claus is coming to town. You know, be good all year long so you can get toys from Santa. So we, tell, we, we teach our, our children and then we, we reinforce that as we grow up that the cares of this world, that the deceitfulness of riches, that the desires for things are what we really should be going after, right? It's really sad. But what does Christmas actually offer though? something completely different than all of that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? That's what Christmas offers. Offers us uh, the greatest gift. In Galatians 4, verse, verses 4 and following, uh, Paul writes this, When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, the Old Testament law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. God gave us his son, Jesus, at just the right time so that he could make us his sons and daughters. So he could make us his children, his family. And that's the, that's the message of Christmas. We, are, we, we often get into the Christmas season and we pursue, um, we pursue stuff. It just, it's just all consuming. And many of those things are harmless in and of themselves. It's okay to have cars. It's okay to have video games. It's okay to have new books and new clothes and things like that. All of that's wonderful in its own context, but it's a pale, pale substitute for the real thing. The thing that God really wants us to experience is a relationship with Him so that we can receive 
sonship so we can be adopted into his family. All of those other things are wonderful, but it reminds me of, of, that, of a little verse in the Psalms. Psalm 16, verse 11. It's a simple verse, but here's what the psalmist says to God. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. Not just a seasonal joy. Not just, hey, I experienced that tinge of joy um, when the Christmas tree went up. I experienced that tinge of joy when the decorations got put out. Um, When we started smelling all the wonderful smells. When we started opening all the wonderful presents. When we started feasting on all the wonderful food. There's that, there's that little tinge of, of joy. But then it goes away. And we pack everything up and we think, oh, when will that joy come again? The joy, it fades away. But here, Jesus, it, well, the psalmist says that in, in, the, in God's presence there's fullness of joy. And then we go to the New Testament and we see that God gave His Son and that at just the right time He did that. In order to make us part of his family, that's the fullness of joy that we can experience through Christ. And he says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's a lot of pleasure seeking going on right now. A lot of joy seeking going on right now. And it's, and it's in the world of thorns. A lot of those need to be just uprooted from our own lives so that we can really bear fruit. And then when we, we have people around us who are seeking after it, seeking after it, can we, na- can we somehow um, steer that conversation, conversation towards the gospel? Can we somehow um, direct people's attention to, you know what, uh, joy is a wonderful thing this time of year. Can I tell you about the, the true joy, the, the, the forever, the, the fullness of joy that I've experienced in Christ? You know, uh, so many things to, to take pleasure in this time of year. Can I share with you um, the, what um, can give pleasure forevermore? That it won't just, it's not just for a season, but it'll last all year, all year round. And that's, that's the good news of Jesus. Can I share with you about that? Well, the last thing was the, the seed that was sown on good soil. And this was that good soil that it didn't have rocks in it. It didn't have the, it didn't have uh, thorns or weeds in it. It wasn't a hardened path, but it received that soil, and it bore fruit, new life, new fruit, regeneration. Um, we look at that and we think, well, what does that mean in our own spiritual lives? Well, it means that people are coming to know Jesus. People are hearing the good news and they're coming to know Jesus and they're experiencing life and then they're telling others and they're being fruitful. And, and he said that, that they accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold from one seed bears, bears a, a huge crop. What would it take for us to sow those kinds of seeds? during the Christmas season. You know, um, the parable of the sower is interesting. 
Because Jesus never identifies the sower. He never does. Go back through that passage. Look at the parallel passages in the other Gospels. When does he, where does he identify the sower? Verse 14, the sower sows the word. That's it. The sower. He didn't say the missionary sows the word. The one who's commissioned and sent off and supported and has a title and has a job description. He didn't say the Sunday school teacher sows the word. Or the preacher sows the word. Or the evangelist who travels around from city to city sows the word. It's just the sower. I think he did that on purpose because every one of us has the opportunity to sow the Christmas seed where, wherever we are, wherever we're at. It might be today. It might be tomorrow. It might be in the context of your work or your family. It might be in the context of a, an encounter at a restaurant or a coffee shop or in the checkout line. Where, how can we take all that's going on during this Christmas season and look for opportunities to sow seeds? You know, that's, that's the challenge. I think that's the challenge of the parable for us during the Christmas season. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I confess that there are too many too many rocks and thorns in my own life that have kept me from kept me from bearing fruit the way you want me to. So I I ask that you will you'll show me those and help me to to clean those out. Help me to deal with those in my own life. And and so that I can be more fruitful for you. Lord, I pray that you'll help me to um, to put my attention on sowing the Christmas seed uh, during this month. God, that I will look for opportunities at every, every chance I get to sow a Christmas seed with somebody who needs to hear it. Lord, help us to be in prayer. Many of us, many of us probably know an individual um, who, need, who really needs to hear the gospel, who we can pray for and then look for that opportunity to, um, to share how, how God, through the Incarnation, Jesus is the answer to all of the problems that we have. And he's also, the, he's also the, the greatest thing that we can pursue and desire. And um, He's the source of fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. God, I pray, um, I pray that you will stir us up. Help us not to, be, to, give, to give up. Um, help us not to lose heart, to be discouraged during this time but to serve all the better and to gather together in every opportunity we have. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to go into a time of response. And um, uh, I want to ask you all to stand as we do so. Um, I'm going to play. I think I'm going to play.